This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Andrew, the sun is shining. It is for like the first time in two days. It's beautiful. Yes. It's also that means we're recording this show during the day and I don't know how oh, yeah. I feel about it. Yeah. I, like if, you, if you're drinking while you're podcasting, that means it's not alcoholism, right? Like it's technically social drinking. Because <laughs> I'm drinking with you and with thousands of listeners. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, it's I'm just not- drinking one. I'm drinking one beer at four twelve p.m. on Sunday. Like, I think I'm good. Yeah, I mean, if you were a fan of football, you'd be wasted by now. Like, oh yeah, I went to the grocery works. store and I passed this one house on the street, <laughs> and there was just like yelling coming out of it. And I, I for a second, I thought, oh, maybe this is fighting yelling, but no, it was just it was like sports yelling. And then I walked back. And there was still like the same house still had yelling coming out of it. So I assume that the football is happening right now. Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And this bonus episode is not about a book. It's about a movie related to a book. That we read several months ago. Yeah. A long time ago in a land far away, I read Peter Pan by J.M. Mm-hmm. Barry mm-hmm. or Peter and Wendy, whatever you want to call it. And Mm -hmm. so when we did that episode, we decided, someone suggested, I don't remember, Hook came up. The movie Hook came up. (laughs) The movie Hook came up somehow. And you said you had never seen it. I had not. Which I... I, It was a more innocent time. I feel like we keep finding kids' movies that you haven't seen. Like, I had to sit you down and watch the Super Mario Brothers movie... I had to sit you down and make sure we watch Home Alone. I just didn't I didn't watch a lot of movies as a kid and I don't like movies as much as like TV or books now, so I just I have a lot of gaps. Yeah. I think some of that comes from the same place that made it so I couldn't watch The Simpsons, which is that Satan was so present in so many different <laughs> kinds of media that it was just easier <laughs> If I didn't see any of it. Well, and this is all about pirates, so I understand why you wouldn't see it. Like yeah. pirates are scary. Pirates like we are got to evil. we got to do like all the Disney movies and whatever for a while, but we didn't go to the movies a ton, and so I missed a lot of these seminal nineties classics unless we watched them in class, which is how I've seen like the half of Free Willy that I've seen. <laughs> what what class did you watch Free Willy in? Just, you know, maybe it's the day before Christmas vacation or something and everybody's just Great Christmas movie Free coasted Willy. Coasted into three PM, yeah. I love that I love the Christmas scene in Free Willy. Mm-hmm. Where he opens his present is well, just getting a... to watch a movie in class is the Christmas present. Oh, it's the greatest gift of all! <laughs> I sold my tape of Free Willy to get you this VCR. <laughs> I sold my TV to get you this copy of The Patriot, which is a movie I actually watched in class once, Ooh, where nice. Mel Gibson just murders fools with an axe. It's real mm-hmm. weird. That Any... was America Braveheart, right? Yeah, it was America Braveheart. That's yeah. right. 
Yeah, there was like a whole series of films, I think, the Braveheart films. <laughs> Where Mel Gibson leapt from historical figure to historical figure. Yeah, Braveheart the Bible, he decided not to star in, but he directed mm-hmm. it none the same. I was taking it in like a quantum leap kind of direction, but I'm glad that you got to Passion of the Christ also. <laughs> we, we go different ways on this show. We bump around. You take the high road, I'll take the low road. So why, well, we watched the movie, we watched the 1991 movie Hook. Yeah, which is 25 years old this year. I didn't realize until we embarked on this project uh, that it was that old of a film. Make us feel old. Nice and old. It's got uh, a lot a lot of big names involved. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. Who's that? Um, he's a film director guy who you might know from E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park, and a bunch of other stuff. Schindler's List. Schindler's List, also that. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars uh, the late Robin Williams mm-hmm. as its protagonist. The, the genie. Panning. Uh, yes, the genie. Yeah, and he was the genie. He was Mork and Mindy. Or just Mork. He, he was Mork and Mindy. He was Mork and Mindy. He was the genie. He was he the was bat. Patch Adams. He was the bat in Fern Gully. He was Jack in the movie Jack where he aged 10 years for every one. Mm-hmm. He was the guy in Dead Poet Society, the movie that ruined teaching for everyone forever. <laughs> um, he was in Death to Smoochie. He was just in all kinds of great films. He was in that really, he was in like photo booth. Was that the creepy one? Where, or like, where he's like a creepy photo booth operator? I'm not sure. I think you're thinking of Jumanji. <laughs> That's definitely the one I'm thinking of. Um Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. So you name me some Dustin Hoffman movies because I did all the heavy lifting for Robin Williams. Rainman. The Graduate. Mm -hmm. The one where he says, "Hey, I'm walking here." Is that him? (laughs) Is is that yeah? Sure. Is that Urban Cowboy? What is that film? I don't know. Um, What else is he in? He's not in Risky Business. That's Tom Cruise. What else is he in? He's in some other stuff. Um, and then Julia Roberts is in it, arguably, as Tinkerbell. Oh, from Ocean's Bo- Eleven, yes. Uh, Julia yeah, Roberts. Bob Hoskins from Super Mario Brothers movie is in it as Smee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Mi- Hoffman's notable films include Midnight Cowboy, Midnight Cowboy, Man, Straw Dogs, Papillion, Lenny, Marathon Men, All the President's Men, Kramer versus Kramer, All Tootsie, the President's Man, Men, Oh Tootsie, Wag the Dog. Yeah. He made his directorial debut in 2012 with Quartet. That's a pretty long time not to direct. If you feel like you want to direct, well, maybe someone was just like, "We don't have a director. Anybody know Dustin Hoffman?" That's how it works. <laughs> that's how that's how the film biz works. Uh huh. Yeah, you have you have inside knowledge yeah obviously. also in this film is maggie smith of mm-hmm. um downton abbey right and, and she was only Harry 50 50 something at the time and they were like they, lady we need you to look old they aged her up with makeup to make her look like she looks now yeah it's pretty impressive mm-hmm. um she's looked that so age she just looks time. like she doesn't age at all because yeah. she's been old forever yes uh john williams did the score it sounds very John Williamsy. There's mm-hmm. lots of French horns, lots of trumpets, lots of fanfare. It sounds so a, yeah. It sounds like a couple different John Williams themes like jammed together. At what point when you're a composer do you just start like ripping yourself off? I feel like, like at you, a certain point you don't everybody, know. Everybody has two or like every human person has two or three good film scores in them. 
And then after that, you're just you're just iterating on your own work. Uh huh. It's true. I feel like you would need an assistant to be like, John, you've done this one before. John, this is Star Wars. No, <laughs> still Star Wars. John, that's Lord of the Rings. Nope. Nope. Star Wars again. What? <laughs> Stop it. I'm just hearing the Jaws thing again, John. Come on. Uh, I feel like that's why the music for the new Star Wars was so like ambient at times. Like he's like, I can't even bear to put a melody in here lest I crib from myself. <laughs> or maybe he's just 800 years old and he doesn't have the ear that he used to have. It's gonna be maybe really, that. It's gonna be really sad when John Williams dies, you guys. But it's gonna be like you know in those crime shows sometimes where they like synthesize somebody's voice together uh-huh. out of all their voice patterns so that like a computer can talk as them. Oh man, it's gonna be like John Williams. You throw all of his scores into a big digital blender. And you've got the John Williams score bot that just procedurally generates a John Williams score for every movie. That is genius. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's start the Kickstarter now. Let's go. Yeah, so give me my 5% residuals on that <laughs> and we'll go from there. And rounding what out. I'm, I guess what, yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is that this movie has a lot of big names in it. And so you would expect it to be better than it is. Okay. Okay. The film is not... regarded as great i went into our viewing with a with a a very strong sense of nostalgia for it that i feel like is uh anathema to your experience but was certainly like ground away in parts by by how this film was made um even spielberg would agree uh, he said, there are parts of Hook I love. I'm really proud of my work right up through Peter being hauled off in the parachute out the window. I'm a little less proud of the Neverland sequences because I'm uncomfortable with that highly stylized world that today, of course, I would have done with live action character work. Uh, but we didn't have the technology to do it then. And my imagination only went so as far as building physical sets and trying to paint trees blue and red. Which, yes, is exactly what, that's the art direction in this film. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sounds, there's like nine different sound stages that they used. Um, It, it had like a weird development history where Paramount and Disney had been trying to make a, a Peter Pan film with Spielberg for a couple of years. They were basing it off of like some notes that Barry had about an older Peter Pan at one point, they almost made it with Michael Jackson as a musical, and he didn't want to do it. For, for obvious reasons. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, James Hart ended up writing the script um, for what you now know as Hook, with Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams in mind. Spielberg dropped out in 87, and then they hired a guy named Nick Castle, who played the original Mike Myers from the Halloween films, of all people. And then it moved to TriStar in 1989. Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman were on board, but they didn't like Nick Castle, so they got rid of him and hired Spielberg back. <laughs> uh, at one point, like they hired Carrie Fisher to write like dialogue for Tinkerbell, but she went uncredited. Like, there's just a whole bunch of weird stuff going on. She in also, movie. apparently, there's a scene where there are two people kissing on a bridge and they get hit by some fairy dust and they start, like, floating. And that is apparently George Lucas and Carrie Fisher in an un- in an uncredited cameo. Yes. Apparently. 
Did I you guess. find the uncredited cameo of Jimmy Buffett also? I did, yeah. He's a pirate <laughs> who tries to take Peter Pan's shoes. <laughs> and then Glenn Co- Close is also like a pirate man at one point who gets killed. But that's a little more obvious. I yeah. don't know. I did not notice James Buffett. No. <laughs> trying to take peter pan's shoes but i did notice glenn close so what did you you did not know what this movie was other than that peter pan was involved andrew yeah pretty much okay how i knew very little about it and i knew i knew it wasn't regarded as great okay i did not know though i found out as soon as i this movie streams for free on hulu plus or whatever so Sure. Um, if you're a subscriber to that service, get out there and watch it. I did notice before we started watching it that it was two hours and 26 <laughs> minutes long, I believe, <laughs> which seems too long. It's, two hours and 22 minutes. Yeah, for that for that 1991 like family film like spot, it does seem long. I am used to family movies being like 78 minutes long. Yeah, like get me into that cool 88, including the credits. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was weird. I think there was another. I feel like I had another thought about that, but, but I don't remember what it is. So I'm done. Let's keep going. Just that it, there's a lot of stuff that could have gotten left on the cutting room floor. Just like a lot of stuff. Yeah, Just a sure. lot, a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, just to let you know if you just if you, a lot of stuff <laughs> just a lot of stuff and to set the stage for where this movie's coming out um, Andrew it was however the fourth grossing movie fourth highest grossing movie in 1991 just so you behind know what behind well ahead of Silence of the Lambs okay but behind Beauty and the Beast sure. Robin Hood Prince of Thieves okay which is not the goofy one that's the serious one I mm-hmm. think uh, and tights is the goofy one. Yeah, and then Terminator Two: Judgment Day. So like, okay, that that all makes sense. Yeah, and I watched for the, a, for the time. I watched a trailer for Hook before we started recording, and they leaned into the spooky. Like it's very ominous. People are just chanting Hook for thirty seconds, and then like Maggie Smith's like the stories are true. Only you can save your children, and then it ends with Dustin Hoffman going like, I hate Peter Pan. And it's like he does hate Peter Pan. This is true. not a lighthearted romp, as I think it was being sold to people at the time. So I think that sets you up for this like expansive two and a half hour epic film, and then you get into it, and it does not. And it's like, oh, here's Robin Williams getting like felt up by some mermaids or something. Yeah, like, so let's, let's Jesus. So let's get into the plot of the film. We're going to treat this kind of like our normal book episodes, except obviously we've been talking about a movie for 15 minutes already. As we said, Andrew, that Ron Williams plays Peter Banning, who I thought it was Banning. I'm almost certain it's Peter Panning. Why would it be Banning? I'm looking at the IMDb page. Why is it Peter Banning? I thought it was Peter Panning. (laughs) That doesn't make any stupid sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. His name is Peter Banning. Why? He, he's a successful lawyer. Stupid. That's dumb. In San Francisco, uh, like in the late 80s, early 90s, he has a cell phone, a big brick cell phone. That's how you know phone. he's a big shot businessman is he uh-huh. has a cell phone. And we open in like his daughter's grade school production of uh, Peter, Peter Pan. Peter Pan. 
Peter Ban, where <laughs> his daughter is playing Wendy. So we know we are in a world where the story of Peter Pan exists. His son Jack, who carries a baseball at all times, is mm. tell is like trying to get his attention and being like, "Hey, lovey, I guess." Yeah, watch the play. Like you're gonna come to a baseball game, right? And meanwhile, Peter Banning's like, uh, "I gotta answer this phone call. To, well, I'll be there. Don't worry. My word, my word is, my, is bond. my bond. My he word says. is my bond." <laughs> And uh, they watch the play, and then of course, like he's got like a big deal. I don't know what his de- like what the big deal he's closing. He's got is. a big deal, like a multi-billion-dollar deal of some kind, like a, a business deal, some sort of huge business deal. And he he can't make it to the baseball game, so he sends like his assistant, some office flunky, yeah, <laughs> with a camcorder. And the kid great. sees the guy sitting there with a camcorder. He's like, ugh. And his his poor wife is just like I can't even like you know she's seen that guy ten times before. It's yeah, just like fuck, camera guy's here again. Uh, and of course, you Jack think that he ever like sends the camera guy for like date night. Sometimes, like to the restaurant. To, oh, like, he has to. Are you kidding? Film her like eating the food, and then they like. <laughs> And then they see a movie and he's in there. He's like camcording the movie. And sometimes he gets kicked out by the by the usher guys. It's like some sort of Charlie Kaufman film where he has like a surrogate husband. And then you just kind of see where they kind of see where the evening goes from there. The camera guy has seen some stuff. Depends on how good the dinner is, I guess. Camera guy has seen some things. Camera guy had oysters this time. Um, So, of course, Jack is very upset that his dad didn't make the game. I don't think he did a good job in the game anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, like who cares? <laughs> uh, and the next, but it's implied that if his dad had been there, he would have done better. Yeah, yeah. And the next important plot point is that they're flying to England to visit uh, Peter Banning's grandmother, who is Wendy of the. Are Peter- you sure her name isn't like Bendy or no. something? <laughs> Her name is stupid. What, her is name is Morgan Peter Mindy. Panning. I don't know. I thought for two hours and twenty two minutes that his name was Peter Panning. <laughs> wow, we're not gonna lose. That's gonna bug us the no, whole show. Just, isn't I feel it? betrayed okay. now. Like I went in, I was so confident that I didn't even like fact check it. <laughs> well, you know what assuming gets you, Andrew. Ugh, it gets me in a big Peter Banning mess. <laughs> So they're flying to England to be with his grandmother, Wendy, who it is like fact of this world. She helped, I presume, act the actual J.M. Barry or her dad or someone write the Peter Pan stories based on what she later reveals as like true experience. Mm-hmm. Um, though, of course, Peter Banning does not know this. He is was an orphan that she like found and raised and there's this big like ceremony that they're going to attend where uh all the like people who were orphans under her are like there to raise a toast and they're going to designate this hospital in her name this is of course a reference to the actual hospital that for a long time had the like copyright to peter pan the great ormond street hospital or formerly the hospital for sick children sure um that that's like a whole copyright mess that if you want to go read about that, have fun. Um, so that's going on. You meet this guy. Now, Andrew, when you first met Toodles, what was your reaction? Which one is Toodles? Is he the guy who lost his marbles? He's the guy who lost his marbles. 
I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> okay. That was like, my reaction. And I think you shared the same reaction as Peter Banning. Like he like Toodles is like climbing around on the floor, like I lost my marbles. And you get this nice big, like almost Jim Halpert esque eye roll from Robin Williams. I just didn't. I didn't know whether Robin Williams knew him or not, or if he was just some colorful character. Yeah, it's pretty unclear. This this is the beginning of I think the movies, which I as a kid I would not have picked up on. I think the movie suffers from like a curse of knowledge, where it no it presumes that you are very familiar with Peter Pan. It does not explain a lot of the Peter Panness to you. And just expects you to to like pick up. Well, and not not just that, but there is some stuff like this character who like you wouldn't care about if you didn't already knew know about Peter Pan. Like he yes. doesn't add anything otherwise. He's just like there. He's just there to to be <sighs> from the Peter Pan fiction. And so um, he's he's there, and his whole family is there, and his his adoptive grandmother Wendy is is kind of dismayed because he seems like a big important business. Boy, and he's all grown up. Doesn't at one point she call him a pirate because he's yes. a lawyer now? <laughs> yeah, which is accurate. Am I right? It's Lawyers out there, Ooh, pretty am good. I right? Burn. Uh-huh. And so he's on the phone trying to make this business deal. Yeah, and he's talking on the phone for like a long time. I gotta assume that this is costing him like eight dollars a minute. It's can't be the deal can't be worth this call. An international business call in 1991. Yeah. Um. And he's trying to talk and the deal is like trying to fall apart and the kids are all like running around and yelling like kids do on vacation and he gets all mad and he yells at him. He's like, go to bed or I'll rip your heads off or whatever it is that he says. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. And they go to bed and he like feels bad and he and his wife have a very heartfelt talk about how he's missing their childhood because he's too busy at, at business. And doesn't she throw his phone out the window? She does, and she doesn't hang up, and the phone, like, the guy on the other end is apparently just, like, just stays on the line <laughs> the whole time. That's how important a businessman Robin Williams is in this yeah. movie. Yeah, and so that's, they go off to this dinner where they're dedicating the hospital. All these other, like, orphan men stand up and cheer for her. It's strongly implied that they, if this world of Peter Pan were real, which, spoiler alert, it is, uh... They would have been lost boys. Like that's apparently what what is implied there. Mm-hmm. While that is happening, Andrew, something goes down at the house. Yeah. So while Peter Banning is giving his heartfelt speech about his adoptive grandmother Wendy at this thing, like there's lightning and bad stuff is happening, and then something happens to the kids, and everybody gets home, and the door's been broken open, and there's this. Like two inch gash in the drywall all the way up the stairs and into the room. And like a, through candles. Like through it, candles and yeah. Light and, switches and, and And there's a like a note stuck to the door with a sword that says I Peter Pan, I I hate you, you're an idiot. Love I, Captain Hook. I took your kids, Captain. I took your kids. Come get them. J.S. Hook or whatever or, it is. I don't know if he says I took your kids because later he seems surprised to know that Peter Pan has kids. I think he just says he took the children. Maybe he just says he took the children. Yeah, maybe he just yeah. took some kids. Yeah. 
Okay. I took some kids. And I, one of my Come favorite scenes in this film is like the before. So like, okay, great. Now, now if you're watching this film, you're like, okay, great. He's gonna go off. Peter Manning's gonna go be Peter Pan or whatever because that's what the, that's what the trailer told me. And first, we have to like deal with the real world implications of two kidnapped children, where like the cops show up and they're looking at this pirate note and they're like, "Well, it's a literary family. I mean, this totally makes sense. Like, we'll keep an eye out." And they Mag- don't seem that concerned about no. the child abduction. <laughs> they really don't. And Maggie Smith, meanwhile, is like she's having a nervous breakdown because she knows that Captain James Hook is real. And, and she also knows that Peter Banning is Peter Pan, but she doesn't know how to get him to remember. She like tries to tell him, and he doesn't believe her. He storms out of the room, and then Julia Roberts shows up. Oh, God. And so some stuff about Julia Roberts in this movie that we did not talk about during our little opening section is that apparently she did not. she was not having a great time. Just in her life, is that or true? While she was making this movie, yeah, like apparently, her um, wedding to Kiefer Sutherland fell apart. Oh no! In the filming of this somewhere, and she like fled California, and she was hiding in Ireland. And Steven Spielberg said basically, like, get back here, or I'm gonna fire you for this movie. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and this is a lot of this is coming from the trivia page of uh, the IMDb thing for Hook, and I don't know like what these are sourced from. So yeah, I take them with a grain of salt. Okay. Apparently, people involved in production called her Tinker Hell because she was hard to work with. Okay. She was upset because she was basically filming alone on a green screen all the time. Yeah, and it's really evident. It's Mm -hmm. really obvious in the movie. Is like she's barely in it and she always seems to be in some other dimension like whenever tinkerbell is interacting with other characters it's basically a light bulb on a string and then julia roberts gets to film some reaction shots by herself somewhere else the thing that really breaks it for me upon an adult viewing of this film are the reaction shots like when she's flying around and like tinkerbell is always kind of a like she's kind of pushing peter around because she really likes him and is jealous of wendy and like that's that's reasonable that makes sense um, but it's the shots where like, here's a five minute montage of the lost boys being goofy and like in the middle of it, let's just cut to Julia Roberts laughing and clapping while she's sitting on a chair by herself. Yeah. Like, or like rooting on, <laughs> rooting Peter on or whatever. Like is this, is this, is this super necessary? I guess you have to have Tinkerbell in the movie. It's going to be, if it's going to be Peter Pan, but yeah, I just don't know how you, I don't know. Have, like integrated her. I don't know how you would have done that know. better yeah. in 1991. So, like, you you did the best you could, Stevie Stevie Spielberg, Stevie I suppose. S. Um, or just do, like, a Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like, mm. cartoon in the real world. Just put a cartoon in just, there. Yeah, just make her a cartoon. When in doubt, just slap a cartoon in there. Just make her a cartoon. So, she basically kidnaps Peter Pan, or Peter right. Banning. Yeah, because he, she he basically knocks him out and then... <laughs> Carries him in a blanket <laughs> to Neverland, uh, and he wakes up on a soundstage, and <laughs> it's like this pirate no, he wakes up in Neverland. Yeah, sure, and it's this pirate town that it's one of those things. And this, I remember this feeling from the actual book, where like Neverland has a weird logic of uh, perpetuity that is kind of the point of it. But also, 
like things are all things don't need to make explicit sense because that's there's just pirates there there's just lost boys there when you say there's a sense like explain what you mean when you say there's a sense of perpetuity the the conflict is always going and we don't need to worry about the details of like how anything happens like do people die okay like how people live their day-to-day yeah which is weird because then you encountered this like pirate city where like People are presumably selling food and buying food, and I don't know how this economy functions. Is there an economy? Do they like? Do they have jobs when they're not killing children? Like, what are they? And Hook seems really set on this war, where I think he just means he wants to kill a bunch of kids. I don't know what he stands to kill Peter Pan. He really wants to kill. And if he also kills kids, which he does, kill a few kids. He does. Um, you know, that's just gravy. But there's Kid no gravy. like, it's not like we have to save Neverland from Hook or we have. No, because like, he doesn't seem to want to like take it over or something. They're just in this state of forever war. Yeah. Yeah. And like everything else in Neverland, it's suspended in time and whatever. Which, which when you think about the themes of childhood and imagination and play that are at pre- that are like present in all of the Peter Pan stuff like that makes sense like yeah cops like and robbers never really has a good ending right when somebody just gets Legos, hurt and you have to stop when you're playing with Legos or something and you're playing knights versus aliens like a lot of the time there's going to be a lot of dramatic arcs where it looks like one side wins but then the other side comes back out of the ashes and like it just goes back to the way it was again. Yeah, it's just it's like every episode of Transformers. Like there's just there's it never ends. Mm-hmm. They, they if it if it made any if it sense ended it would stop making money. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the point. Um, so he's in Neverland and he's still like dressed as a as a man as like a real world man. And like Tink a has to man, disguise him as a pirate, and he sees that Hook has captured his kids, and like rather than like play it cool, he just kind of like stomps on up there, and it's like, hey, give me my kids. I'm a lawyer. I'll sue you. And Captain Hook's like, oh man, Peter Pan grew up and he got fat and he has kids. It's very, Whoa. yeah, and he can't fly and he won't fight. It's this like really disappointing moment for captain hook and dustin's been waiting for his old adversary to come back and he doesn't realize that peter's been in a place where he's had time to grow up and it's just it and so he is he's talked into letting peter live for like three days to like rocky for himself into (laughs) shape yes and this that that agreement is set upon by like tinkerbell is like all right I'll, i'll go train him you just need to give me time and that's after uh, he tried to save his kids by like climbing up the mast and like had a panic attack, and yeah. his and son he disappoints his kids his like big son time. Is so disappointed. It's making like he's been disappointing his kids for a long time, and this is just the latest in a long, a very long string of disappointments. So he falls off the pirate ship into the ocean, and that's when the mermaids try to have sex with him. It's very bizarre. Yeah, and so, okay, so everything up to here has been, I'm not going to say it's been, like, tight, (laughs) storytelling-wise. I feel like the orphan section went on a little long, but sure. Up up through here, it has mostly been okay, I think. Events cause the next event, yes. Yes, yeah, there is a a story happening, and it is relatively engrossing, and it does raise some 
questions that are like because you read you read the original Peter Pan yeah. and it's dealing thematically with some of the stuff like what if Peter Pan grew up and that is like I don't know that's not an uninteresting question and they're doing some some interesting stuff with it but. I feel like they do a good job of taking the 90s trope of workaholic dad and like mm-hmm. grafting it on to Peter Pan like right. that's 90s movies is just like a a this wide vast swath of movies where 90s business dads all learned <laughs> to give time to their family again well it was like the clinton era so like every white dad it wasn't even was 91 like, was still, oh you're right was still, still h dubs yeah but like the economy was on the ups so like all the like was it? it wasn't on the ups till later yeah Anyway, white dads had it good. What's your like, what's your point here? I feel like I'll just dads let you make whatever point you think you have. I feel like dads of this era, there were a lot of jobs available to them and they were doing well for themselves. They all had their fresh nice suits, but they were always a little behind on their work cuz there was just so much work for them to do. Well, this is coming out of the go-go 80s where everyone just has to work and make all the there money it is. and that's and, the... like, and pillage the economy and <laughs> There you eventually go. wreck everything for everyone else for decades and decades after that yeah that's what was going on and really what they need to do is get in touch with their inner child and that's what this movie's about so yeah. you're saying that the movie much like this podcast goes off the rails at this point yeah okay so peter pan ding banning I am impressed that this one aspect of this film has so troubled you I've had like two weeks to digest the rest of this, and then I'm getting this new piece of information okay. where they gave the lead character a stupid name instead of the obvious name that they should have given him. Okay, okay. I'm just saying. And so I have to like work through my emotions about this live on the air. <laughs> so Peter is, he finds himself set upon by Lost Boys, and there's just like two dozen of them. And the, what's the chief one's name? Okay. Now here are, here are the Lost Boys that you need to know about. Then this is a new generation of Lost Boys. These are not the boys from the books. Their costuming is kind of all over the place, like implying that they have all ended up there over the course of the 20th century. Yeah, some of them are very like Dickensian and some of them are like one of them just looks like Dom DeLuise. (laughs) So there's Rufio, who's the leader, and he has like a mohawk and later his armor is all like bony and Mad Max. There's Thudbutt who is like the heavy set kid with a big smile and at one point later in the film he like has Mr. Fantastic powers he and becomes can, like... a catamari <laughs> and just rolls over the opposition. Um if fun fact I was looking up some of these kids now cuz there's ample art like clickbait articles about these these lost boys now. Um, that he's only ma- 90s kids would appreciate. Yeah, Thudbutt's a magician now, just so you know. Um, that's great. I was going to, like, that's my favorite child actor arc is not like the sad Gary Coleman thing where they get addicted to drugs and then die tragically young. Yes. But they're in, like, a couple things mm-hmm. and they do pretty well for themselves. And then they get out of acting and they, like, own a small chain of, like, auto body <laughs> shops or something. <laughs> like, they just go and they have. A- s- and a have like lives life. on the successful end of normal. Yes. Uh, there's a kid named Pockets, who I referred to as Baby Danny that, Glover. Wait, which one is the business boy? Uh, I don't remember which one the business boy is. There's a kid named Ace, who looks kind of like a business boy. Okay. 
Uh, Pockets is the only one who initially believes that this old man could possibly. Oh, be is he Peter the little Pan. one? Yeah, he's the who like guy. comes up to him and makes him smile, and he's like, "Oh, hey, there, that that guy, I know that guy." Yeah, uh, he like grabs him by the cheeks and like just stares into his face. Yeah, he's uh, a very wise little boy. There's a kid called Don't Ask. Uh, there's a kid called Too Small, who's a little scraggly boy who later joined a metal band. There's oh, that's nice Latch Boy. Who's the only ginger of the bunch? Is his name actually Latch Boy? Yes, because uh, a lot of time we just call we call people boys, but no, th- <laughs> the character's name is Latch Boy. Latch Boy, okay. um, and then there's a he went on to be in some other Disney films, and then there's a kid called No Nap, uh, who doesn't want to take a nap, I guess. No, uh, going back to <laughs> going back to Ace real quick. Um, according to one clickbait article I found, they found him on Facebook. And there's a photo of him in a hotel bathrobe. Like, that's all we know about Ace, is that at one point in time, he was in a hotel enjoying a bathrobe. So these are the Lost Boys. There's a bunch of them that are not named and uncredited. And so begins the arc where Peter Banning has to, like, decide whether or not to embrace the Lost Boy lifestyle to save his kids. And they have to decide whether or not they're going to accept him over their current leader, Rufio. Right. And and some of it's like him deciding and some of it is like him literally becoming capable of being a boy again in his brain. Yes, that happens. And so it's he really has weird. to learn how to like cuz cuz most most things in this little lost boy civilization are powered by imagination, including True. like flying and also food. It's just sustenance. Yes. Um that that's like the if if someone came up to me on the street and was like, "What's the one thing you remember about Hook?" I'd be, I first of all, I'd be worried because I don't know why that's like a thing that someone would do. Yeah, but, like what what are they gonna do to you if you don't? I don't know. If you don't, if you can't give them a good answer. But my answer, I I wouldn't find out because I would have an answer, and it is, <laughs> it's the dinner sequence where after mm-hmm. like. Uh, a long day of working out and like montaging it's a long montage yeah long hot sweaty montage um they all have dinner and there's all these big pots that smell real good and they put them down on the table and they open them up and there's nothing in them and all the boys are just like grabbing air and like eating air corn and like and it's like good on these on- kids for really committing to eating air corn because yeah. They really go for it. And it's like all dip- like there's hamburgers, like who knows what they're eating. And Peter Banning's like, what is what is going on? What is this? I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. And I don't remember what exactly like gets him to imagine that there's food there. Is it before or after the like your mama insult fight with Rufio? I believe it is after the insult fight with Rufio. <laughs> Because Rufio, Rufio's been bagging on him because he's the leader. He doesn't want Peter Pan to come back necessarily because True. he's he's in charge. He's the he's the Peter Pan now, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so he starts insulting Peter in in a like nonsensical, in a very like Monkey Island sort of way. <laughs> yeah, let me just cram these words together in a way that makes you feel bad. Yeah, yeah. like you're a Ramalama ding dong. And every Poopy time, face. every time there's a good one, the kids go bangarang. Yeah, it's like their like code word for cool. And Peter can't get into it for a little bit, but then eventually he reaches deep down inside himself, and he digs around, and he comes up, 
and he is he finds himself able to insult a teenager to his face. <laughs> and it sound at first it's like very legalistic, like they're very modern terms, mm-hmm. and then kind of it it goes from there. It calls him. Can I, I don't remember what he. The- Hook insult. Flag. Yeah, I, I really the... want to share some of these because I feel like quotes. I feel like the fact that the kids find it funny is important. I'm just gonna let you look for that right now. Uh, here we go. Just doing a control F for Rufio here. Oh man. Okay, this is this is bad. Okay, so let me. All right, here I'm going to paste this. Okay. Into the chat. Okay. And I will play the part of Rufio. Okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. Are we just going to do I, the whole thing? And you can be Peter Banning. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me get it into a better uh, window for myself. This is all live audio. Li- this is live. This is live. Um, okay. Go okay. for it. Uh, who's going to be the kids? I don't know. Okay, we'll just let you know when the kids say like bangerang or whatever. Or we could just like do it both of us. It'll okay, sound great. Really great. <laughs> great, great. All right, this is a, this is a dramatic reading from the 1991 film Hook. Film Hook and it's the insult the insult fight scene from the movie Hook. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Boil dripping beef fart sniffing bubble butt. Bangerang. Bangerang Rufio. Rufio. Someone has a severe caca mouth, you know that? You are fart factory, slug slime, sack of rat guts and cat vomit, cheesy scab pick, pimple squeezing, finger bandage, a week old maggot burger with everything on it and flies on the side. And then Peter Banning says, substitute chemistry teacher, (laughs) which like I guess like actually lands a blow. For an adult, that would be a pretty sick burn. (laughs) Okay. What does Rufio say in return? Uh, Mung Tongue. Math Tutor. Pinhead. Prison Barber. Mother Lover. Ooh. Nearsighted Gynecologist. Yikes. In Your Face, Camel Cake. In Your Rear, Cow Derriere. Lying, Crying, Spying, Prying, Ultra Pig. You Lewd, Crude, Rude, Bag, and Pre-Chewed Food Dude. <laughs> Bangarang, Peter. And see, see, at this point, this is where Robin <laughs> Williams finds it himself to insult a small boy. Yes. Uh-huh. And Rufio says, you, ma- you man, stupid, stupid man. Now remember that I am Robin Williams speaking to like a 14-year-old. Yes. Rufio, if I'm a maggot burger, why don't you eat me, you two-toned, zebra-headed, slime-coated, pimple-farming, paramecium brain munching on your own mucus, suffering from Peter Pan envy? What's a paramecium brain? I'll tell you what a paramecium is. That's a paramecium. It's a one-cell critter with no brain that can't fly. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. Man. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> This has been the insult scene from the 1991 Steven Spielberg film hook. And after Rufio might as well just start crying and goes away, uh, all this imaginary food like reveals itself to Peter. A lot of it looks like... A lot of it just looks like frosting in bowls. It's Because, I mean, if you could live on an island you'd by yourself with a bunch of other kids your age, you'd probably just eat frosting all the time. It just makes my stomach hurt to think about it, though. I'm uh, a 30-year-old man. Yeah, well... There are no dentists in Neverland, so it's oh. Uh, and then like they start a big food fight, and everything's cool, and they're covered in the goop. And that's when he is mostly he. After that, he's mostly Peter Pan. He goes the, like there's another little hurdle he has to jump over where he needs to keep hold of like a happy memory so he can learn how to fly. And his happy memory is being a father. 
which yeah. is interesting. Specifically of his son. Yeah, not his daughter, not I'm his thinking favorite. Thinking of his son, like I'm sure he loves his daughter very much, but the memory he thinks of when he needs to learn how to fly is of his son beating yes. his son for the first time. Yeah. Um, and the I guess the parallel story to this is Hook's story. Yeah, so let's talk about the titular Hook. Sure, what about him? You'd talk about him. What do, why? What what's happening him? while while what's happening while Peter is learning how to be a boy? So Hook has to figure out what to do with these kids because he doesn't have any confidence that Pan is going to be Pan again. So he has to find a way to hurt Man Pan because <laughs> Pan won't actually fight him. So he decides that he's gonna he's not gonna kill his kids. Smee helps him come up with the idea that he should make Pan's kids love him. More than they love their dad, <laughs> which doesn't really work on the little girl who, after about half the way through the film, like disappears until the end. Yeah, and she she loves her daddy too much. Yeah, she like throws a fight. She throws a couple like hissy fits and like sings a song at one point that all the pirates are confused by, and then probably that was like her audition tape for the film, and they're mm-hmm. like, let's just like pad this film out some more. So why don't you sing and she like gives us the one little like she tells Jack to run home at one point, right? Is that like a thing? I don't like you're talking about the least interesting part of this movie. What is Hook doing? Well, Hook <laughs> Okay. I don't what what do the you want to talk girl, about? She disappears. Like Yeah, okay. So what is what's Hook's game? What's he doing? He is trying to turn little Jack Pan into a baby Hook. Yes. And it starts with just like convincing him that his dad sucks. So Which is like, not like a stretch. <laughs> no. Uh, so at one point they're in this like room full of clocks because Hook hates clocks. Um, again, like all of these references to the original Peter Pan without any sort of explanation as Which, to so, why. Like, to be fair, I think most kids would have been familiar with probably from the Disney movie rather than yeah, yeah. the book. But I think like basic stuff like oh captain hook hates clocks yeah i think you can expect most people to know that like weird stuff like this old old, weird old man used to be a lost boy but we're not gonna make that explicit until like two-thirds of the way through the film that's a little harder to like get your head around yeah definitely uh so there's this like i gotta say the kid who plays jack is like pretty good he's not all all things considered and at one point in this clock room he has some like amazing pathos that kind of breaks down crying all of a sudden because Hook is making him feel de- bad about how terrible his dad is. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point at, in this like campaign to win over this little boy, uh, Hook organizes a game of baseball because, as we mentioned earlier, Jack is like always carrying his baseball around. It's America's pastime. Neverland's pastime. Neverland's pastime. And one of my favorite parts about the baseball game is is like they're playing and none of the pirates really seem to know the, the like all of the rules. So at one point a pirate's on first base and he starts sealing second and the catcher just shoots him and everyone cheers. Listen, I would like baseball better if we were playing Neverland rules. <laughs> and Hook has to like calm them down and be like, we're playing by Jack's rules. I guess we don't shoot people anymore. Uh, and this is happening while like there's an initial rescue mission from the lost boys and after like jack hits a home run and he has like a moment of maybe i am like in the wrong place because the pirates couldn't get the sign for home run in the right order 
and he thinks that they're telling sending him like a message to flee yeah uh, and this this is like this is one thing i did kind of like is so th- what the movie is is doing with the the way neverland makes you feel is sure. just like your long-term memory is not great like yeah uh, robin mm-hmm. williams lo- starts to lose his adult self in a lot of ways as he reverts to pan and jack also is sort of losing his memories of his dad and like not remembering his his real life before as he gets further and further into this like hook stockholm syndrome thing that's <laughs> uh-huh. happening uh-huh and that's a weird tension because and i think some of that tension exists in the original book too where it's like are we supposed to stay here forever and just kind of go on living our kid lives because they they feel great in the moment or are we supposed to go back to the real world and grow up and different characters do you know answer that question in different ways which i think is why the the book has remained so popular yeah um, it's and it's like i don't know but there's there's still there's some questions that the book gets away with like like so like we have talked about before like what are they doing when they're not like fighting each other (laughs) you can't grow up but there are adults yeah you can't age but you can get hungry and get shot like it's yeah and like what is death in this world like i guess it's real but where do new pirates come from like yeah i don't know so that campaign of hooks and it should be noted that dustin hoffman is chewing the all nine sound stages worth of scenery in this film he's having a lot of fun he's he is having a lot of fun i you barely recognize him behind that mustache and with that big wig did you know that um this is another little tidbit from the imdb trivia page um at the beginning of the movie when they're flying to england the pilot on the plane is dustin hoffman no way yeah he's like on the intercom that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. okay i like that i like that and i guess that you know we're kind of we can kind of wrap it up there's gonna be a big battle but before we get there andrew oh god this is so weird this is by far the weirdest part of the film. So as you said before, Peter Pan is like reverted into this childlike state. He's gone to the Jedi cave in the bottom of the tree and like found magically adult sized pan clothes. And he's like in the room with Tinkerbell who's expressing that she's always been in love with him. He's like touching props that correspond to kids from the original book. And it's never made like explicitly talked about. And to like get him to sort of grow back up so that he can save his kids she grows into a giant adult woman she at the risk of talking about tom hanks in every single episode (laughs) of this podcast that we do she wishes that she was big Uh uh-huh and she becomes big and this is the only time the entire movie when adult actress julia roberts interacts with any other person in the movie directly And, and she's, so she's in now like a, a life size like dress too. Yeah, she's, she's in a, a fancy dress. Right. She's a big Tinkerbell and she's like, Peter, I'd want your body. <laughs> That's not what she says. I don't remember what she says. But the subtext is, Peter, I need your body all up on my body. But she realizes like he does he doesn't get it. I don't it's like the scene in Big where she asks to sleep over and he's like, which bunk do you want? Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to understand. Well, and like he also 
remembers that he has kids and is married. So like he goes from not understanding because he's a kid to like, sorry, no, I'm already spoken for, which is just like, <laughs> it's too quickly. bad for Tinkerbell. Yeah. <laughs> he's either a child and this is really inappropriate or he's a man with a family. And it's also still inappropriate. And it's still inappropriate. I don't know what happens in Neverland stays in Neverland, hey, as they say. But... As they say. Uh, so they make out. You want to go back and like, because you know when Peter Pan gets back to his real world and he's done all this stuff, he's probably like, it's going to be frisky, right? Because he like fought a bunch of people with a sword and he saved his kids. He's probably feeling more like like potent than he has in many yeah, years. I don't know if And it's... you don't want to go back to your wife and like be like, hey, baby, let's let's get down. And then like you take off your pants and there's just like a bunch of fairy dust that, <laughs> that like falls out. Why do you smell like seaweed? <laughs> uh, so she makes out with him real quick, and that like tells him that he's an adult again or something, right? And yeah. then we Let get me, into- let's let's guess what's happening out of the frame uh, yeah. there, not to get not to get blue. <laughs> and then we get back to like the big battle sequence where the Lost Boys like besiege the pirate ship, the Jolly Roger, and a bunch of pirates get killed with like goop that fire from gun this it's it's very who like peter peter and rufio have come to a mutual respect at this point yes and rufio who is in some super cool mad max armor that we mentioned earlier he gets he eats it yeah hook just totally just straight up murders murders a child (laughs) and like peter gets like one moment of like oh this really stinks this is sad and And then then he don't think about it anymore and then he starts fighting again um as we said before, Thudbutt is like rolling around like a giant cannonball. Yeah, good old Junko. Uh, Jack, his son, is dressed as like a miniature version of Hook. <laughs> and, Costuming in this movie is pretty good most yeah, of the time. And he has to be like rescued and reminded that that's his actual dad. And then like a big fight en- ensues. Uh, and it ends with like there's this whole like good form, bad form thing going on throughout the film where there there's this implied honor code right among the pirates and lost boys of like hook mostly uses it to his own advantage (laughs) yeah that's true uh and it like peter tries to walk away from the fight after like cornering hook at one point and hook vows to always come after his kids so they have to keep fighting and it ends up with the crocodile that Hook had previously defeated and then like taxidermied in this yeah, giant clock tower thing uh, comes to life somehow, falls on top of him and eats him. Great. And and Peter's like seven-year-old daughter is unfazed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so like Tink like flies them away and then he says goodbye to the Lost Boys. He gives Thudbutt the Matrix of Leadership so he's in charge now, and he wakes up again back in London, and he, like, revisits his family, and everything's cool again. Like, I, I think the it wraps up with, like, Dudbutt gave him Toodles marbles, and so then Toodles gets to, like, open it, and, and there's fairy his, dust. He gets, and he gets his marbles back, and then he goes flying off into the sunrise. And that's the end of that's the movie. That's the end. The end of the 1991 movie hook. Now, in terms of... I haven't seen any of the other, like, 
Peter Pan reboot sequel things that they've tried to do. There's I a think couple there was, of them, yeah. There's Neverland in 2011, I think, which Bob Hoskins was also in. Weird. And then was there not a more recent one with like Johnny Depp in it or some? That might have been that. I feel like that might have been Finding Neverland, which is like about J.M. Barry. I, okay. I think there was a, but I think you're also there was a separate like pan film. You should hop on the internet and find this yeah, out. Yeah, I'm doing this. You vamp while I. Um, there is also a successful play that's make it play with music called Peter and the Starcatcher, which is like a sequel, a prequel of sorts, excuse me. That's all about like how Peter becomes Peter Pan and there's some fun pirate stuff. And that, that also reinforces this theme that like Pan and Hook are like Batman and the Joker. Like they need each other to exist. They'll always be in combat they are defined by one another. Um, and I think that's like an easy thing for to be perpetually like remixed and, and slotted into a bunch of other stories. Did you find what you were looking for? Yeah, there's, um, uh, is this the one? Yeah, there's, there's a 2011 one called Neverland that Bob Hoskins is in as me. Like, I don't know if it's reprising his role or just playing the same role in another movie. Um, (laughs) There is one called Pan from 2015. It's a prequel to the Peter Pan story. Sure. Um, There's a 2003 uh, film just called Peter Pan. There's a um, 2015 American live action fantasy film called The Boy Who Could Fly. Okay. Um, there's just there's a lot of stuff. It's just like there's oh, a that's ni- a character. Eighty-eight. Yeah, is another like a, a direct-to-video animated Australian film called Peter Pan. Sure. There's a lot. It's a it's an easy character to use and to have fun with. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I look up every year. There's another like remix of an old like what are those. Snow White movies that they keep coming out with the Huntsman and oh yeah, that's just a mess of nonsense. It's a waste of a bunch of talented people's time. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about this movie, Andrew? You did not enjoy it. It's I don't it was think just, it was weird to watch it because it was so long and it was so like padded <laughs> out and weird. There are there are enjoyable elements to it, and I I think that. Like Steven Spielberg and Robin Williams like met and became close friends like after this movie. Sure. And I think it's very sweet that like after Robin Williams died a couple of years ago, um, Spielberg tried to watch it and just like couldn't get through it because even mm. though he like doesn't he like doesn't like the movie, he's not like super proud of it. He does like attach a lot of a lot of feeling to it. And I think a lot of a lot of people of our generation who actually watched it do remember it well. Like I think and Susanna, I, Susanna has mostly good memories of it. I think you mostly have good memories of it. I I do. If I came off more critical in this show, it's kind of for the show and kind of goofing on it a little bit, and also because I was watching it again to talk about it, which inherently makes me more critical of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's easy to look back on this and be like, oh yeah, Ron Williams, and he, and the performance kind of gets rolled into a bunch of other memories you have of him yeah, as, as an this actor. Is, this is like P- Robin Williams. I don't, it, is it him as like, at like his peak? It's pre like Mrs. Running Doubtfire, up, running right? up to his peak. It's like before he became so broad and like weird to watch. <laughs> like sure. that death to Smoochie. Um, maybe a little in Mrs. Doubtfire, um, like Patch Adams, that kind of that 
those things where people just gave him full license to be really indulgent and weird in his performances to the point where they got a little bit annoying. <laughs> like, this is before that. Yeah, so this is post-World World According to Garp, which I know is a breakout role for I him. it's just pre-Aladdin. It's pre-Aladdin. It's post- but not by much. Because that was Poet also 91, society. I think. Uh, Aladdin was 92. Oh, okay. But yeah, th- this is post-Ed Poet Society, which was 89. And then you get into Aladdin- Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji, The Birdcage, um, Flubber, Goodwill Flubber. Hunting. Okay, yeah. By the time you're in Flubber, you're getting into the well, but you but, age but but then it's Robin also Goodwill Hunting. Films. So it, he does this thing where he's like oscillating between like movies that are supposed to be a little more like serious. Where did like Jack and Bicentennial Man and stuff fall? Okay, in this? so Jack is 1996. Mm-hmm. And Bicentennial Man isn't until 1999. Okay. Um, he, yeah, and then and then he's like kind of making all the stuff. He's in those Night at the Museum films. Oh boy. You know, yeah. he's he just kind of did what he wanted. It seemed like I don't know. Good on him. Good on him. Yeah. What's interesting to watch this film is he's not. It isn't until he goes into like full pan mode that you get a similar performance as the kind of broad comic Robin Williams that you see in the mid, the mid to late nineties. Like he's right. actually playing a, like he's playing this straight man character because he's so buttoned up and lawyery. Um, he doesn't go like comic Hulk until he puts on the pan clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, but like there, because it's a two and a half hour film, it has room for, the earlier sequences of like just straight up adult movie and kind of spooky hook stuff and then kid hijinks. There's like just half an hour of kid hijinks in this film. Yeah. That could probably be cut down. Yeah, a lot. That, it's just a lot. Just lose the daughter. Just lose her. Just get Lose the daughter. Lose some of those lost boys. I mean, at the end, like, he, Pan does have to, like, just grab Jack by the shoulders and be like, you're my favorite kid. Come back. Stop being Baby Hook. Yeah. Like, he just has to admit that he has a favorite, which yeah. I don't think any parent wants to do. No, so. but, like, every parent, I think, does secretly or not we, so we secretly. Don't, we don't speak from experience, but. Well, I mean, we were Or kids. do we? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I think definitely, I mean, all, all kids, I think, think another one of the siblings is the favorite, but. Yeah, sure. But there's there's always a favorite. There's always Everybody a favorite. knows. Everybody knows there's a favorite. So that on to you parents. That's Hook. That's the 1991 <laughs> That's movie Hook for our book podcast. Mm-hmm. Our uh, Hook podcast. Our, oh, about the Hook secret meaning made, to read. We made it this far. Um, if you think this was a good idea, let us know. If you think this was a bad idea, cool. Um, you can write in to overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media at facebook.com slash overduepod or twitter.com slash overduepod. We record these bonus episodes out of time, unstuck from time. Um, so I'll just kind of broadly thank like everyone. Neverland. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go eat some imaginary goop after we're done recording. Mm, Andrew, uh, presumably if folks are listening to the bonus episodes, they know what's up. But where should they go? To find some of our older episodes or maybe like go listen to our Peter Pan thing. Which, go to overduepodcast.com 
Um, you can find all of our back episodes there. You can also find links to iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and our RSS feed. You can use those to subscribe to the show and get new episodes as they come out and new bonuses episodes as we release them. Um, they're supposed to be monthly. They're usually monthly. They're close. <laughs> they're close. Uh, we have links to our Patreon page, which is like why we do bonus episodes. There is a link to HeadGum, our podcast network, Spreaker, our podcast host, and uh, Amazon links of the books that we have read and are going to read right now. We're in the midst of our spooktober spooktacular, mm-hmm. uh, the month of October, where we read nothing but spooky books all month. Um, so go to the site and we'll have a, like we have like the full month's list of books all mapped out there. Um, Craig, for the next bonus episode, like you said, we're not we're stuck. We're unstuck in time. But so we do know next, what the next bonus episode yeah, is. The next bonus episode is going to be. Uh, give yourself goosebumps book called beware of the purple peanut butter now i am wondering if i had this book as a kid i don't I think i have. did i definitely had the horror land one i had I think a I had one or two one. others but by the yeah. time like the purple peanut butter one is number six and they give yourself goosebumps series and by the time we get that late i think i was pulling back from goosebumps a little bit give me that give me that late stage give yourself goosebumps where they got God, all weird late, late stage goosebumps <laughs> I'm, very, oh. I'm very sorry ma'am but your husband has late stage goosebumps the late stage goosebumps virus is already inside you mm-hmm. yikes okay thanks for listening everybody <laughs> we'll be back whenever and until then try to be happy bangerang <laughs> That was a HeadGum Podcast.